podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday. Joining me, as they always do, to recap the weekend that it was, and oh, what a weekend it was, Andy Mitz. How's it going? I actually am feeling fairly good after this last weekend, which I was totally not expecting. Sometimes uh, a loss is is actually a win. So obviously we'll be talking about that here in just a minute. Yeah, you know, actually, I put this out on Twitter. I was like, um, if you had told me on Friday that I would be on the edge of my seat through, through the Kansas football game and turning the Kansas City Chiefs football game off early in the fourth quarter, I would not have believed you. Definitely a, a reverse of what Andy would have expected from this weekend. Uh, also joining us, as she always does, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Yes. Uh, hey, you know what? Sometimes a loss is a win. No, I'm not going to do that. But I do I do have a lot of questions for Andy, um, mostly what happened. And I'm I'm feeling pretty good myself. Yes. Of course you are, JSJ. Of course you are. Uh, <laughs> JSJ was was drunk enough. I say wise enough, drunk enough to buy herself tickets and got to enjoy herself on Saturday. Um, it's fine. I just cuddled two small, adorable children and that made me feel better. Uh, Andy, why don't we just kick things off right there? You know, this is this is about as close to a the biggest win that Kansas has had in a while, probably since the last uh, when they beat Texas just a few years ago. Um, yeah, and he's like, yeah. So yeah. let's there, just there was a lot of let's um, dive, in, dive in with with Kansas. I, I, I was to say my favorite tweet going into the you know like midway through the third quarter was man, and you thought Texas losing to Kansas in 2016 was bad. <laughs> I mean, come on, this would have been a lot worse. Um, no, you know. It, Really, the main the main take well, there's there's a few main takeaways, but I have to get it out or out of the way early. Those Big Twelve refs, they suck, and it wasn't just this KU Oklahoma game. Um, you know, there was a lot of that going on throughout the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. But but look, you know, long play that Oklahoma had for the for the touchdown where they finally took the lead. There was a a pretty obvious hold and block in the back on there. There was I don't even uh, that whole forward handoff thing which. Should have been a, you know, forward progress, blown dead type of thing really early because I don't understand how you can go backwards three yards 
your forward progress has not stopped at that point, you know, and then you hand the ball, or I'm sorry, have the ball ripped out of your hands, which it wasn't even a handoff. But anyway, uh, look, there was a lot of things like theoretic or actually, I, I honestly think that Kansas played better than Oklahoma in this game for the vast majority of the game. There was definitely some breaks, some bad calls, some things that went Oklahoma's way that helped them to go ahead and pull it out. No one's, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Kansas was actually the better team, but they definitely played better than Oklahoma did for the vast majority of that game. And this was the kind of shot in the arm that Kansas fans and the Kansas program needed. Like, yes, we can talk about how badly Oklahoma messed up, but this wasn't a case of, with the exception of, you know, they had four total offsides penalties. Um, like that definitely did help Kansas to, to start to get rolling. But Kansas did not look like a team that is, you know, arguably one of the worst in FBS. They look like a team that, yes, has struggled. Yes, aren't as talented as Oklahoma, but they look like a team that is getting better. They look like a team that is finally buying in and starting to put results onto the field. I don't know how much of that is Oklahoma just being absolutely ridiculously bad in this game and how much of it is Kansas is actually making improvements. Like, I, I went from after the game against Texas Tech saying I'd be surprised if Kansas stays within, you know, 21 points against anybody the rest of the season. And that includes teams like West Virginia or TCU, you know, or other teams that are having problems to now I actually, the only game left on their schedule that I think they're going to get blown out in for sure is this game coming up next week against Oklahoma State. Because I saw enough from this team that I think that they could compete against TCU, they could compete against West Virginia, they could compete against Kansas State. Not saying I expect them to win any of those games, but they could at least remain competitive and make those games interesting to watch as a Kansas fan. Yeah, it's it's super interesting too because when I saw Kansas in Ames, like it was my husband and I sitting there as he says, this is one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. And so to have- And they were. In such a sh- short time, like, they would have, like, teams would have scored against them if they were blindfolded. Like, it was insane. And so then to see them, like, hold Oklahoma, score, like, in a half, it, it, it can't just be one or the other. Like, it can't just be Kansas playing out of their mind or Oklahoma playing poorly. Like, it's a combination of both, but it definitely says a lot about Kansas that, like, they developed in that way and stayed engaged enough to care to try to continue developing. I think that says a lot about a program. Like I kind of made the joke on Twitter, but I, I almost wonder if it doesn't hold up a little bit of, you know, we've, we've said it for a long time, you kind of have to throw out the results of a Kansas game when you play Kansas, right? Most teams you look at and you go, oh, well, they were great. The offense was clicking. The defense was great. Like, obviously we've turned things around and they come out next week and go, Pfft. um, there's a little bit of, 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 I think it was a TCU fan who tweeted this out originally, there's a little bit of that kind of like for TCU. You know, they played Oklahoma last week and offensively looked great. Things are turning around. And then TCU did what they did against West Virginia, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I want to say there's a little bit of like, you almost have to throw out games against both Oklahoma and Kansas. For one, Kansas has been the program that has made everybody look like they've started to fix things and turn them around. And then the case of Oklahoma, I know we talk about how teams get up to play Texas, but teams put out some of their best performances against Oklahoma, which almost are outliers when you look at what happens the rest of the season. So I look at this game, and if you kind of take those two weird chaotic things, I don't even know what to take away from this. Like I, I that was it was a great thing for Kansas. It would have been it would have been just 
pure chaos magic, you know, straight Scarlet Witch nonsense had they somehow find a way to pull that win off. I don't know that I can take anything away from it that makes me go, no, Kansas has figured this out. They've turned things around. They're going to be better. Like, if they come out against Oklahoma State next week and look like they did against Iowa State, like, did we really learn anything? Meanwhile, I do think you can take away from Oklahoma to some extent because it's just another example of them looking a little bit suspect. On the defensive side, especially that defense, I don't know if they just weren't interested, they didn't want to be there, they didn't care, it was a Kansas game, it was, oh, it's 11 a.m. again. Like, I, I'm sure OU will look much better against Texas Tech next week, poor Red Raiders. But I, I come away from this game kind of going, this was a fun thing, it, it ended poorly for Kansas, I'm sorry, but I don't know how many big, giant takeaways I can really pull from from this game that I, that at this point I'm sure will carry on through the rest of the season. Well, I mean, there's a couple different things with that. Yes. Like I, I do think that to an extent you can write off really good performances against KU who's historically been really bad and really bad performances against OU in the first half. And then, you know, really good ones in the second half when you're behind by 50 points and everything's garbage time at that point. Like that's normally what we're talking about when we say you can throw out those results. But when it goes completely the opposite direction on both of those accounts, like this wasn't a case of Oklahoma getting up really, you know, big in the first half and then Kansas coming out and blitzing them in the second half. This was Oklahoma not scoring in the first half. It was very clear that they either or that they a combination of was not prepared for this game for whatever reason and not taking Kansas seriously and just playing really, really badly. Yes, Kansas played a little bit better than you probably could. But the whole like, you know, oh, it's 11 o'clock again. We weren't ready. Like. That worked for a half, but you go into halftime, you have the opportunity to adjust. You have Lincoln Riley coming out like Kansas's offense was still torching that defense through good portions of the second half after they should have already been making adjustments. They should have already gotten to the point of like, oh, my gosh, hey, Kansas is actually playing fairly well. We need to actually pay attention to what we're doing. So like the, the fact that that continued in the second half, that Kansas had huge drives in the second half going down and scoring almost at will at times like that concerns me if I'm an Oklahoma fan because that defense that was supposed to be so much better, this was supposed to be their best defense they've had in a very, very long time, and it is getting absolutely destroyed week after week. Some of that's garbage time, but some of that is just that this this defense is nowhere near as good as people thought it was going to be coming into the year because they've given up a ton of points no matter how good their offense has been doing. I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I'm worried about you. I say I'm worried. I have yet to see a full game performance from them that just makes me go, yeah, all right, for both sides of the ball. With what we had expectations for Oklahoma coming in. Now, look, OU is still going to make the Big 12 title game. They're in the driver's seat. Everybody else has at least a loss of not two in conference play. We'll see what happens next week against Texas Tech. I, I just I want to see what they do next week and how they bounce back from this game before I have overarching points about Oklahoma beyond the fact of they've had some good halves, they've had some interesting performances, they have they are undefeated, but they've I mean 2014 Florida State is the comp. It's a team that coming off the national championship went undefeated in the season, got to the playoff, no one thought they should be there. No one thought they were actually as good as their 14 and 0 record or 13 and 0 record made them look, and they weren't they weren't that good. They just happened to be undefeated, and Oklahoma feels a little bit that was this that way this way this year. Like, could they go thirteen and zero? Yeah, I can see that happening. We're getting into the stretch of the year where they usually they just don't lose. 
Could they lose a game? Absolutely. With what they have left on the schedule, I would say Baylor and Oklahoma State, and I put an asterisk next to Oklahoma State because I just have to include them because they only have one loss. But like, it would be 2014 Oklahoma, Florida State. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting from this team. So I'll be curious to see what they look like next week. I hope that was a sign of real improvement for Kansas. I really do. It would be nice if Kansas wasn't just like the worst thing on TV on Saturday, um, football-wise. That would be, well, I say the worst thing. UConn and UMass are still playing football. So, you know, you've got that that level of, of execution going on. College football season is here, and no tailgate is complete without a grill. And no grill is complete without Gridiron Metalworks. Go to Gridiron Metalworks, find collegiate-branded grill grates and griddles with actual school logos, as well as other awesome metal goods like flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers, among other things, all in actual school colors, not just the, yeah, it's, it's pretty close, like you'll find at other places. Grilling at the game this Saturday? Sear your steak, burgers, brats, or veggies with the perfect Pistol Pete, Baylor Bear, or Kansas Jayhawk grill marks. They've got grill grates and griddles for all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Plus, these are the perfect gift for the hard to shop for. We can almost guarantee you'll find something from Gridiron that someone on your holiday shopping list does not have. These are high quality, custom cut, and made in the USA. And as someone who enjoys turning on the grill during the fall, during football season, during basketball season, and as someone who is a diehard Oklahoma State fan, yeah, an Oklahoma State griddle for my grill, fantastic. Right now, we use the promo code 1012, that's T-E-N, the number 12, T-E-N-1-2, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. And all orders over $100 get free shipping. So whether you're looking for a Kansas State grill grate, a West Virginia griddle, or a unique metal home good for your college football, college sports collection, visit gridironmetal.com. Use the promo code 1012 for 15% off your first order. You can also find the link in our show notes. Gridiron Metalworks for the college super fan. Are you a Big 12 basketball-obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Let me hop to a different team. This is a conversation that that we have kind of been weirdly interested to talk about. Texas Tech, 24, Kansas State, 25. And I put the, the score in that order because... This is not a shot at Kansas State. We said um, last week that Kansas State had a real opportunity after a 3-3 three and three start to kind of turn things around as their schedule lightened. They had to play Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State to start conference play. It's three of the best teams in the conference. Things are getting a little bit easier against, you know, Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, West Virginia, Baylor, and Texas. So we'll see what their season ends up looking like. And on Saturday, they pulled off a, a comfort behind win I did not expect to see coming. Texas Tech led that game 24-10 at the half and lost 25-24. Texas Tech has had great halves this season. They have on both sides of the ball. They have yet to put together a complete 
game. They had a great second half against Houston, got that win. Had a great second half against Texas, didn't matter. Had a great first half against West Virginia, and then were able to hang on with a nice fourth quarter and, and get that win. They have yet to put together a full game where you're like, yeah, this team's got it. If, you're, if you want to tell me FIU, cool, go ahead. Going to move on to, to games that are a little bit more impactful than FIU. So here's the question for Texas Tech. They sit at five and three. I'm going to read you the rest of the schedule they have remaining to get the sixth win they need to go to a bowl game for the first time since, I think it's 2016, if I recall correctly. Now, if I'm getting that date wrong, sorry, I should have researched it ahead of time. I have two small children. They take up most of my time. All right. At Oklahoma, idle. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, at Baylor. So remaining on Texas Tech's schedule are the four teams in the Big 12 currently ranked and arguably the four best teams in the Big 12 this season. So I'll ask each of you before I get my answer. Um, you don't have to tell me what games, if any, that they win, but what is Texas Tech's record at the end of the regular season? Five and seven. I mean, I, I literally do not see another win. That, that Kansas State game was the game that could have gotten them to ball eligibility. I was actually talking with Albie Shore over on the Rock Chalk pod before the KU-Texas Tech game, and he brought up the fact that, hey, we very realistically could be looking at a team that goes 5-2 and two to start the year and then ends the year 5-7. and seven. And it looks like that's going to happen because, you know, Kansas State is a team that is completely in disarray right now, where things are just are not going their way, um, just in general. And yet they were able to go into that second half where it looked like they were going to have another game where they fall flat and get things turned around. And, you know, I I mean, I was flipping back and forth. I tried to do a little bit of rewatch of that game. And that that comeback for Kansas State was at least as much Texas Tech falling all over themselves mm-hmm. as it was Kansas State actually making plays. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Kansas State had a huge fumble that should have given Texas Tech the win. Um, like, there was a lot of things that Kansas State did not do correctly. Texas Tech just did a whole lot more wrong. And that's really what it comes down to. So, I'm not, like, I'm not saying that, that Kansas State can't get it turned around and can't start to get some more wins going here. But that absolutely was a game that Texas Tech had in hand and should have won to become bowl eligible to not have to worry about can they win one of these last four games against the four best teams in the big in the big 12 and they weren't able to do it. So yeah, I I don't see them winning another game. I like maybe their best bet is that they hope they can get Oklahoma state in a trap game, like as they're getting ready for bedlam. But I mean, that's, that's like really, really hoping for something that just isn't going to happen. Like if we get to the point where Oklahoma state hasn't lost another game, before that Bedlam game, they're not going to lose to Texas Tech, especially a Texas Tech team that's playing like this. Yeah, it 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 don't look good. Nope. Uh, it's I don't see another one. I, very few people see another one. Um, yeah, maybe somehow I'll snag one, but I would not be. I would be putting my money on the under five and a half wins. That's that's for dang sure. Well, that's the sad part for our friend Daniel is the, the win total when we did our, our win total pod was four I know, and a half I know. and the over hit. And I, I made the joke with him, wouldn't it be funny if Texas Tech hits the over and then doesn't win another game? And I say that from just like the, man, that would suck for him. But I mean, look, I, right. I, I look the, at this and the have uncomfortable thoughts. funny, not the ha ha funny. <laughs> oh, the. What is what? It's just like the. Wouldn't it be hilarious if this wild, crazy thing that shouldn't happen happens? Um, 
I look at this and have two thoughts. First thought is, I want to be so bold as to say five and seven. But I feel like Columbia has done this in the past. He'll have one of those really good Columbia days and Columbia games where he's going to do enough and they're going to pull off an upset. Because any win they get from here on is an upset. Okay, It is. Um, they won't be favored in any of them. They won't. I think they're a 22-point dog at Oklahoma this coming weekend, which is, I'm sure, OU favored by 20-plus points. That That's always a thank you for that, Vegas. I know which side to bet on that one. Um, but, like, I think they can pull off an upset because the Big 12 is the way it is. But they're not getting two. Like, I'll say six and six. But that's the absolute ceiling here. I, mean, I, I just, I think it is. Which leads me to the thought process of I don't want to fire people on this podcast. And we can have will should or would somebody get fired at the end of the season. But I, I think six and six after a five and two start probably means that Texas Tech it's almost like the best, the perfect scenario for Texas Tech fans. They're gonna to get to go to a bowl game and they're probably gonna to get to have a new head coach next season, which I think most Texas Tech fans would probably be pretty happy with, as none of them have been super pumped about Matt Wells hire. And it's not, if they start five and two and ends even in six and six, the progress things are moving in the right direction. Well, and you're a victim you of like the scheduling there too. You know, you spread it out and it's more up and down. Maybe, maybe people aren't as ticked off as if you rattle off four or five straight losses, but so it falls and maybe they wouldn't be any more or less upset by spreading them out but that definitely isn't like good yeah i mean here here's the thing though like if they make it to a bowl game then that means they have a good win on the schedule like Fair. through throughout the rest which means that columbia probably i'm oh, sorry not columbia that it means that matt wells pro- probably keeps his job which the way that the things are going right now, I think there's a lot of Texas Tech fans that are extremely torn. Like, they want to be bowl eligible, but I think there's a lot of them that don't think Matt Wells is the guy. And this game is a perfect example of what it goes wrong with Matt Wells at this point. It's like, like if, you want it, if you want a reason at the end of this year to fire Matt Wells, this Kansas State game is the perfect thing to hold up there. But if they get a big win against, you know, Baylor on the road at the end of the year to become bowl eligible and then go to a bowl game, I, I don't know that they're going to move on from Matt Wells. So if you if you want a new head coach, you almost have to be rooting for them to lose out at this point um, or the win to come on some weird fluky thing like, you know, someone's team has a COVID outbreak all of a sudden or like guys that are unavailable for whatever reason or a really, really weird controversial call at the end of the game that they probably shouldn't have won, but hey, the wins count anyway. So you can say, well, they really shouldn't have won this, so we're going to go ahead and fire our coach anyway. Like you can't, you can't get a convincing win in one of these last four against one of the best four teams in the Big Twelve, because that gives them enough of a hope, gives them enough of a reason to say, well, maybe Matt Wells is going to work out. I I don't think one win changes how many games they've had, and I need to go back and look. I can think of three off the top of my head of games where they have had the lead and probably should have won and coaching decisions and other things led to a loss that shouldn't have been. I can think of Texas Tech. I can think of OSU last year, the year before. I can think of Texas last year, Kansas State this year. I just, I don't think one upset victory is enough to make you, oh, see, things are going in the right yeah, but- direction here at the end of the season. Like, I, I get all that, but 
I think I think uh, you though fail to account for just how much the athletic director wants this hire to work out because I mean this is this is his hire, right? I, yeah, and, and I, I would also how say how powerful. Uh, it depends on I, – I would almost argue it depends on if the other guys they would get would be interested. I don't think the name most Texas Tech fans will jump on first will, would want to come and, and try and live in his uh, – in the shadow of his, his forefather. Um, what I would respond to, and I want to wrap up on this, is uh, meep, meep. Okay. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say is meep, mother, meep. That's – that's think that Meep, mother, meep, um, meep. Again, meep, meep, mother, <laughs> Um, congrats to Kansas State getting their fourth win. We said the schedule was going to lighten up for them. You know, they've got TCU coming into town on Saturday. We'll talk about that. They've got a road game at Kansas. They've got West Virginia, and then they close out with Baylor and at Texas. This T- this Kansas State team is going to go bowling. Like, they're going to pull off at least two of the next three. We said they had to win three of the next four. I think they're going to do that. This is a Kansas State team which, look, with all the attrition and, and injury, even Skylar Thompson getting hurt that they've dealt with this year, like, the Chris Kleiman hot seat stuff because they lost three games. Like, miss me on year two, COVID year with the amount of injuries they have. Like, I'm just having a hard time holding last year against coaches. Like, now, the defense has taken a step back. And again, man, that's a large part to – I'm going to say they're D.C. It's Messingham, but I, I think that's wrong. I can't remember. If they're D.C. who left for, for uh, Michigan State. The, that loss has hurt them, obviously. Big. Um, but I do think Kansas State's getting it to bowl game. I think that's good for Kansas State. I think that's good for Chris Kleiman. I like Chris Kleiman. I think he was the right hire, and we'll continue to get things done there. So props to Kansas State for that. Yeah, for 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 Kansas State, like the worst case scenario for them, I think at this point is that Chris Kleiman goes into the next year with his seat mildly warm. Like he's either going to be solid because he gets a win either at Texas because Texas, for whatever reason, has super hard time playing against Kansas State. I have no idea why. Um, like, it's just one of those weird, you know, they always play really weird games that for whatever reason, like Texas struggles with, with Kansas state, um, you know, or they get a win against Baylor and then he's completely safe and everybody's feeling really happy, you know, or he gets a win the bowl game or something like that. Like they're, they're definitely going to go bowling. Cause like you said, I, I don't see any way that they don't win at least two of the next three games that they have. Um, so yeah, they are in very, very good position here. And then maybe we can have a conversation about Chris Kleiman next year if they don't take a further step forward. But I mean, that's like end of next year at the very earliest. I think that we even start talking about anything like that. Uh, Speaking of Kansas state real quick. Thank you, Kansas state Wildcats, because you got me a nice little payout at symbol with your win on Saturday. And I really do appreciate that. I appreciate when, when my shares pay out for myself, of course, symbol is the stock market for sports. Use your sports knowledge to, to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts every time your teams, or the teams you own shares of, win. Symbol is, of course, a sponsor here on the 1012 Podcast and the 1012 Network, and is offering an exclusive deal to us that is going to end this week. I gotta get that email out to the whole network so everybody's aware of this. Uh, we are ending this promotion this week, so if you want to enter in, do it now. Symbol is going to give away two free tickets to a Big 12 game of your choosing. There'll be one winner for the whole network. Okay, it's not one for podcast, it's one winner for the network. We'll have Kenneth here on the show here soon uh, to, to do that drawing and, and announce the new promotion we'll be offering. But all you gotta do is go to symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. 
when you deposit your first $25, you'll be entered in to win those free tickets. Okay, so there's still plenty of Big 12 games left on the schedule. If you guys want to get some tickets to a game, this is the perfect way to do it. So go to symbol.com, poke around, take a look. It's a lot of fun. I love that Kansas State buyout. Yes, I'm buying my Baylor share before this week and against Texas. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You want to know where I'm leaning on that game? Uh, I believe it's already, it was an open as a pick em, which is, really? It's crazy. That is wild to me. Um, symbol.com, promo code network12. First $25 deposit, be entered to win two free tickets to Big 12 game of your choosing. That promotion is ending this week, so make sure you make your deposit ASAP. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Bears. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sickum Bears. Obviously, Baylor and Texas were off this week, so we don't have to talk about them. But we will talk about them probably here in a minute when we do our games of the coming weekend that we're excited about. Uh, West Virginia 29, TCU 17. Oh, man. The game I felt the most confident in, in picking. The most confident in the outcome. With the exact opposite of what I thought. If you told me this game ended with the score of 29 to 17... I would have said, well, TCU won that game, and and congrats to West Virginia for for scoring 17 points. Nope. No. Not only only did TCU manage only 17 points, seven of those came on the kickoff. TCU returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then the offense proceeded to put up 10 whole points against a West Virginia defense, which has been up and down this year. The TCU offense it looked pretty dang good until this week. Granted, three turnovers will do that to you. But then a TCU defense, which has given up, oh my gosh, 200 yards on the ground again. Again. This TCU wrestling defense is bad. It's bad. And West Virginia took advantage. A West Virginia offense has been okay. They had 20 points in the first half. Kind of got nine in the second. But it didn't matter. They didn't need any more points. They could have not scored in the second half just like TCU and still won. I, I, I this is an important win for for Neil Brown. West Virginia's three and four. I mean, the bowl game is still the goal in year three, of course, for him and and trusting the climb and maybe they can get there. As for TCU, let's see what does West Virginia have left. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, Texas, and at Kansas. They, they could get two, well, they three wins. TCU three and four also and. Yikes. I, I made the joke with Parker for like weeks. 
of like, it's okay, TCU's going to do what they've done the past few years. They're going to get to the end of the year, win like four of the last five, go to a bowl game, head into the offseason, building excitement for 2022, and then just do this all over again. Rinse, recycle, repeat. At this point with this rushing defense, I don't, I don't even trust them to win three of their last five. They got five games left at Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and at Iowa State. Find me three wins in there that you're like, those three. Find me three. Because I, I don't. I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. looking at that, there's only one that I'm confident in saying that they will win. That, Is it Kansas? And, and that's, yeah, against Kansas. And, and to be honest, that one's not as sure of a thing as I would have thought it would have been. Wouldn't point. be the first time Kansas beat DCU. Right, exactly, exactly. You know what? I mean, we can throw another butt fumble in there in that game, and it, we, we can really just, you know, <laughs> drive home the pain for, for TCU fans. But, no, I mean, what it really comes down to me, down for me in this game is, like, this was a very – this this game didn't know what it wanted to be. Like, you talk about how Texas Tech has, you know, good halves and bad halves. Um, this game, like, it was a complete – um lack of defenses in the first half. And then it was a, a defensive battle in the second half. And I have no idea what happened. Like you go into the, in, into halftime 20 to 17. And my thought was, man, this is going to be a super high scoring game. What is going on with both of these defenses? And then all of a sudden West Virginia's defense showed up and their offense started to do just enough to, you know, to push that, that out a little bit. And, and honestly, I do think that West Virginia's defense was helped a lot by the fact that, that, uh, you know, West Virginia's offense was able to sustain some drives. So it wasn't even necessarily a fact that, like, I, I just don't know that either of these teams are consistent enough in what they do for me to feel comfortable thinking this was, you know, a, or th- that they are going to be able to get the three wins that they need to go bowling. Yes, West Virginia definitely looked like the better team from start to finish here, um, mainly because they didn't fall apart in the second half. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great sign for West Virginia that things are starting to get turned around at this point. But but I also have to wonder how much of that is just this TCU team looks awful, like really, really bad. The offense is nowhere near as good as we thought they could be coming into the year. Obviously, Duggan did not take that step forward. And I don't know how much of it's his fault or how much of it is just the fact that they still don't seem to have a clue what they want to do on offense. And And so, like, I don't know if that's because the offensive players just aren't performing well, and so the coaches don't know what to do with it, or if – they aren't performing well because the coaches have absolutely no idea what they want to do on offense. You know, they were supposed to be simplifying the voices in the offensive room um, and finding ways, you know, to make it easier on these players. But it seems to me like it's just as convoluted and complicated and, and no one has any idea what's going on as it was before. And I don't know how much of that's on the coaches and how much that's on the players not getting it. But the biggest thing that jumps out to me is that this TCU defense looks absolutely atrocious. And, you know, like, I know you said that you don't like to call for, you know, people to get fired on the podcast here, but I'm wondering when the conversation starts for Gary Patterson. Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to just fire him outright because he basically built the program into what it is now. But I'm having a harder and harder time imagining that there's not going to be a lot of conversations between the athletic administration and Gary Patterson about when is it time for you to move on? When is it time for you to go ahead and retire? And that might be the conversations that are starting at this point. I don't know, but it seems like something needs to happen. He either needs to completely clean house of the, the coaching staff essentially. But then the question is, well, who do you bring in? Like, do you, do you trust him to restock the coaching staff with coaches that aren't going to have similar sorts of problems? Or maybe it's time for him to start thinking about retiring and they just completely clean house 
including the head coach. I don't know what the answer is there. I'm not close enough to the TCU program to know, but looking at it from the outside, it's very clear that there's something super dysfunctional going on right now. And we've said for the last three years that this isn't what we thought was going to be going on for TCU, but it looks bright or it looks like they can get it turned around next year. I'm at the point now I can't say that the way things are going, that I expected to get turned around anytime in the near future when, you know, as long as they have the coaching staff that they have right now. Yeah, I mean, after after a, a fun day of sports yesterday to come back and sit down and to have that be the game that I watched to end the day. Woof, ew, oh boy. I tell you what, I was I was feeling good. Um definitely put me to sleep. Like it was just ugly freaking football. Like that was not fun and entertaining. To wa- I mean, I guess if you're coming out on the winning side of it, sure. You know, if you're if you're West Virginia, sure. That was probably really great. But um, for anyone else watching, there was not a winner. Uh, it was it was not good. There was, yeah. I just I just don't even have anything to add beyond what Andy said. But to come out in that second half like TCU did is. Not pleasant for them. I'll put it that way. Not a good day to be a horn Frog. A couple of things. Uh, Shouts to Parker, our friend, a.k.a. at Stats on Twitter. TCU has now had five straight games of allowing 200-plus rushing yards. Uh, TCU allowed 200-plus rushing yards four times from 2018 to 2020. It's five straight games. TCU's rushing defense is bad. Their O-line is not great. Their offense which we thought looked good against Oklahoma, did not look good against West Virginia. Uh, and shouts to Bill Connolly. We all know who Bill Connolly is, ESPN. Um, odds of reaching bowl eligibility per, per S&P Plus, West Virginia 50%, TCU 45%. Like we said, it's not going to be easy. They all obviously have enough games left on the schedule to do so, but it's not, it's not going to be easy for either team through the rest of the season. All right, the big game, the big game. The big game we got to talk about. This was the best game in the Big 12 this weekend. We already talked it about OU Kansas. Uh, this was, let me set the refs aside when I say this. This was a clean game by two teams who were both really good defensively. Um, they played a hell of a game. It was a great game to watch. It was back and forth. It was incredibly competitive. And I'm going to allow my um, OU's leaving, so you for a second um, i would love to see this rematch in arlington in december and not have to worry about oklahoma in it at all this game was good this was a good game did i love the outcome personally as an oklahoma state fan no but i will take a three-point loss on the road to an iowa state team that's better than their record and should have been ranked when this game happened jamie you were drunken at this game uh <laughs> to start i I got it together. <laughs> I was I was really with it. Um, but I did scalp t- tickets and then go to my parents' tailgate, and they were like, "Yeah, we could have just given you tickets." Yeah. Uh, our friends had extra, so that was really cool and fun. But I figure I have to pay for tickets to one sporting event a year, considering my basketball situation and how infrequently I go to football games. That's probably fine, but. Yeah, I was there. It was great. Um, it was obviously an incredible environment, which I was, has done a really good job of 
really nurturing there, but I don't know. It was, it was definitely impressive to see two teams that like really looked like the game looked like it should have been close. And it was like, I, it is too often that you see like major errors, you know, that change the course of the game. And like, sure. Were there calls that you would like to be different play calls, officiating calls, stuff like that, that you want different over the course of the game. Yeah. Fine. But like to have turnovers to have really no major plays where you point out and you're like, well, that one, that was the difference in the game. And I know there's contention about the spot at the very end of the game. I'm never one to say um, that you're not allowed to be upset about stuff like that because we've obviously been on the short end of that stick. I haven't watched the replays enough to have a good opinion, but I've seen a lot of people say that it was extremely close that, Hey, you know what? If you were watching it and you really think that the spot was wrong, you know, more power to you. Like, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but to see like a really hard fought game and to see just good football where obviously I'm extremely happy that Iowa state came out on top, but I think that Oklahoma state proved that they're legit. They're going to win a lot more games this season. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're pretty deep into the season, but they, they deserve to be where they're at. And Iowa state probably deserves to feel a little bit better about themselves than they did for a stretch of the season there. And people can start getting engaged and start getting excited about the potential of the team again, because unfortunately some just had to tune out, but I don't know. It was a heck of a game. It was an incredible environment. It was just a really big blast to be a part of. And of course, homecoming as an Iowa state grad, that's always really cool as well. But I was I was happy of anyone to like have a really good game against. It's nice to have it against Oklahoma State. What do you mean it's nice to have it against? What are you trying to do here, Jamie? You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I thought this game was incredible. I thought Brock Purdy played very. It was his best game of the season. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson just decided to become a, a god among men, um, fueled by let's just let's just get this. That was the stupidest, most asinine most what the are you doing refs call when they overturned that touchdown because he was taunting i literally was standing there watching going wait what's the flag for did he i thought he had colby harville peel fell down and so hutchinson had clean room and i was like maybe he pushed him that would nope what what was that in fact my argument has been all that penalty did was fuel iowa state get the crowd so freaking into it that it helped Iowa State the duration of the game. Like, I wish the refs, the refs ruined that, tried to ruin what was a very, very good football game on Saturday. The, the refs lost this weekend in the Big 12, and they lose often, but the spot was bad. That was stupid. There were penalties across the board on both sides. Just like, what do you guys even, they tried to ruin a really good game. And they got themselves involved. Good job, guys. You got your TV time. You made yourselves known. Here's your bonus check for some bullshit. Oh, it's so egregious. It was such an egregious call. I'm an OSU fan. I'm like, yeah, they should give them that touchdown. Like, that's how bad. I would have been mad for you had they not gotten that touchdown three plays later. And I understood why they kept giving the ball to Xavier Hutchinson. Because I'm like, yeah, he or he earned that one. Like, he deserved that was crap 
utter, complete, ridiculous nonsense. And you mentioned Xavier Hutchinson did remind me of the other point I wanted to make, which is that I've been on a little bit of a tear about how I'm worried about how much we've been utilizing Brees Hall and that I think he's amazing, but it concerned me what would happen if, if, you know, something happened where all of a sudden he wasn't able to just kind of put the team on his back and Oklahoma state did a great job. I thought against Brees Hall and other players stepped up. Brock Purdy stepped up. Xavier Hutchinson stepped up. You know, you had seven receivers, I think with a catch. And so that was one of the best things I saw was that I had been so concerned about that all season because I could kind of see the writing of the wall of at some point someone's going to say we're all in on stopping Brees Hall and how are they going to respond and they responded so well to it so that was really really satisfying to see and then to also like still sneak a touchdown in there and keep the streak alive really can't complain about that either yeah I mean looking at this game you know you actually talked about um Actually, I don't. I don't know if either of you talked about this, but kind of, kind of where you're talking about, you know, against Oklahoma State, uh, you know, when she said it was nice to have a great game, um, you know, I forget who it was that actually shared this stat, but uh, you know, I was over on the Wide Right Natty Light Discord server, and they were talking about how, you know, in the month of of Brocktober, um, the only two losses that Iowa State has had since Brock Purdy's been there have been to Oklahoma State, so like that was the reason to be really worried going into this game. Um, you know, this was why, like, this was such a satisfying win, I think, for a lot of Iowa State fans that they finally got over the hump in October playing Oklahoma State and actually winning that game. Um, you know, it's also one of those things, like, kind of just to, to echo the points you guys have made, this is a game against two really good teams, and it, it felt like a game against two really good teams. Like, it felt a, like a game between two contenders for the Big 12, two teams that, you know, depending on certain breaks at other times of the year, theoretically could become a big 12 champion and make it to the playoff. Like, yeah, you can argue, you can talk about whether that's still possible for Iowa state. Um, but like it had the feeling of two teams that should be competing for a playoff spot. If one of them is able to win the conference, like that's, that's how it felt. We had two, two teams that were executing at a very, very high level. The defenses and the offenses were both going back and forth. They all had really good plays that make you feel confident about these teams. What I saw in this game was two teams that absolutely could challenge Oklahoma for a conference title. Now, in order for Oklahoma to not make it to the conference championship game, they both have to beat Oklahoma later this year, which I think is still a possibility, but not very likely that both of them do it. So it's really one of those things, though, where this game, I think, gives me enough confidence in both of these teams that I at least see it as now as a possibility that you know they both could beat Oklahoma on a given Saturday. Not saying that I think they will. But I think that it's at least a possibility, which tells me that this Big 12 race is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be at this point in the year. So for everybody knows, Oklahoma's schedule is Texas Tech this coming Saturday. Then they're idle. And they go to Baylor, get Iowa State at home, and go to Oklahoma State to end the season. We thought that the Big 12, which the Iowa State game being second to last game of the season was always stupid. But we thought that the Big 12 had given OU like a nice little – they did not do Oklahoma any favors in the way they set the schedule up. No, now that we look at it. Well, granted, they're always playing their best football in November. So I'm sure the Sooner Magic, like it did on this past Saturday with the touchdown that shouldn't have happened, uh, will help Oklahoma get across the finish line and finish as the next 2014 Florida State. Um, that was a great game. I'm not kidding. I would 
I would love to see that game again in Arlington. I think all Oklahoma State and Iowa State fans would feel the same way. Um, sorry, OU fans. Whatever. I'm gonna be honest. Ooh. I think I think every Big Twelve fan, except for Oklahoma fans, would love to see that game as the game in Arlington. <coughs> so I think I mean, they'd let's just say any game that does not involve Oklahoma in that game in, in Arlington in, in December. But well, I, I don't know if it's if it's Texas instead of Oklahoma. I think you might have some people that would say, "Yeah, I don't know about that one." At this point, I mean, if you told me that Oklahoma just wasn't going to be there, that means Oklahoma doesn't win the Big Twelve, and we have a little bit of variety. Fair. Fair. A little bit of variety. All right. I'm not going to discuss the the debating that's been going on on our Twitter account. If you want to know about that, you can go to our Twitter account at ten twelve network t n number twelve the word net work. Um, speaking of Oklahoma State and Iowa State, you know, I mean, it's two of the teams that are available at home field apparel. The most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. And of course, you can still use our promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. And why is that important right now? Because we're recording this on October 24th. The holidays are coming. And I mean, what better gift can you give the college super fan in your life than the most comfortable t-shirt, sweater, and hoodie you can possibly buy? with the coolest vintage logos for more than 100 different schools, including Oklahoma State and Iowa State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, and West Virginia, future Big 12 schools, including BYU, Houston, and UCF, and a whole bunch of other ones that just have some awesome, awesome, incredible logos. The Washington stuff is great. The uh, Colorado stuff is really cool. The stuff for St. Louis is neat. They've got, I think, four new non-like FES schools coming out this week. Yeah, non-power like five. Troy is one. They look. Um, God, they tweeted them all. On. I don't remember what they were. You should. I was gonna say whatever they were, they looked good. I've got Colorado State. I've got Toledo. Like, we're all about it here. Mm-hmm. I've got my slippery rock T-shirt, which is still freaking awesome. It's a rock and a pimp coat. I don't know if it's wrong to say pimp coat. If it is. Someone will tell me and I'll stop saying it. Anyways, uh, it's a giant fur coat straight out of the 70s. Or I guess I could say it's like a Kramer coat, which he wore. Anyways, whatever. Point is, this stuff is freaking awesome. If you haven't bought it yet, the holidays are the perfect time. Buy it for you. Buy it for a friend. So, promo code NETWORK12. N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2. 15% off your first order. Order early. It does. They, they, they make these things to, to print. Like they print to order. They don't just have, like, they have stuff in stock, but the holidays get busy. You want to make sure your stuff is there on Christmas Day. You should order early. They're giving free shipping for all orders of $100 or more. Yes, they've upped that. It's the holidays. You shouldn't just be buying for you. You should be buying for everyone. Can you imagine the Christmas you sit down and everyone's opening home field? Because that sounds like the most merry of Christmas. That and, like, helping uh, the less fortunate actually have something to open on Christmas. There's a good gift you could give. I think that's a nice one. Homefieldapparel.com. This is getting weird. I'm going to bail out before I say something inappropriate. Uh, promo code NETWORK12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever find this holiday season. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. Okay, before we get to the games that we are most looking forward to this coming weekend, um, we kind of missed the official halfway point of the season, but it's close enough at this point that I wanted to ask you guys a couple of things. But first, first is this. Um, 
not who do you project to be at the end of the year, but right now, if you were going to hand out the award for the best, the Big 12's coach of the year right now, who would you give it to, Andy? I mean, I have a hard time thinking it'd be anybody other than Dave Aranda. He's done a fantastic job with this Baylor team. No one expected it. Whether you talk about, you know, the team that's performed the best or the team that's outperformed expectations the most. I I mean, I think that you can make an argument for Aranda regardless of the metrics that you use. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It's really tough to look away from there. I feel like the expectations, for Oklahoma State were higher and so them performing at that high of a level makes it a little bit tougher I do think there's an argument to be made for Gundy because to start out that strong um, is definitely really impressive so I'd be kind of torn between the two but starting out undefeated I don't know I guess the projections had them higher. So yeah, I would I would probably still lean towards Aranda, but there would there would be like an inkling towards Gundy as well. The and I I, I don't care if you guys think I'm a homer. I don't mean you two. I mean like people who listen when I say anything nice about Oklahoma State because I'm not allowed to do so apparently. Um, the Gundy argument's valid. I, they did start undefeated. They beat Baylor head to head, and I could argue that Oklahoma State's had the more difficult schedule both in non-conference and in conference play. Um, they both placed Oklahoma, Iowa State. Baylor got the win. OSU didn't, but OSU's also faced Texas. Baylor has not. Um, I, I think either of those is the right option. You you could make the argument for Lincoln Riley, but after Saturday's performance against Kansas, I think you kind of have to put that one to, to rest. Um, I don't think we we always play the who has over exceeded expectations, which to some extent to me is like saying, well, they did better than we thought they would, so they must be really good. Or maybe it's just that we had too low of expectations for the team, right? Because um, obviously they were going to be this good. We just didn't know it. So whereas meeting expectations is never really appreciated enough, you know, we never want to give the, the award to Nick Saban. we got to give it to somebody who is better than it's supposed to be, even though Nick Saban is the best college football coach like every single year, right? Um, you can argue Dabo a few years when they win the title. But like there is something to meeting expectations but after Saturday's performance, I have a hard time with Lincoln. So I do think the two right answers would either be Dave Aranda or Mike Gundy. You know, if if you're looking for an off-the-wall name, and obviously he never could win this because he's not actually the head coach, but, you know, Jeff Grimes at Baylor. Like, I think he's the biggest reason, the, the offensive coordinator there, that Baylor is such the team they are this year is because they've gotten a ton out of that offense um, that I don't know that anybody expected them to. And that, that offense has been playing really well with the exception of you know, that one, that one essentially half against Iowa State, like they've been playing extremely well as an offense for Baylor, something that I was completely unexpected. And given the pieces that they have, like coming into the year, I don't think anybody expected this offense to be anywhere near as good as it was. Uh, okay. Uh, offensive player of the year this point, Andy. <sighs> this is a really tough one, um, partly because I don't, I don't know that there's an individual throughout the entire course of the year other than, I mean, I almost have to default to Brees Hall uh, just because I, I'm having a hard time thinking of anyone else who's played consistently. Like at, at one point you might've been able to say uh, Casey Thompson for, for Texas. You might've been, you know, you could potentially say Caleb Williams if he hadn't, you know, laid the stinker against Kansas um, that he did for a good portion of that game. Like you could have made an argument that, Hey, 
he would be the runaway guy if he, you know, he had actually gotten an opportunity to start earlier in the year over Rattler. Um, I mean, Brees Hall, I think, is the one guy that has been super consistent day in and day out. Um, it, it almost feels like I'm just defaulting to him because I can't think of anybody else. And I think that that's actually probably what it is. Yeah. I mean, when you consistently put up the kind of numbers that he has and, you know, continue to produce at a really high level, I think that it is really hard to look away from Brees Hall. I don't know. And I mean, you guys know me, like I definitely also struggle with like pulling in individuals and like individual performances, stuff like that. From what I saw, I mean, there were definitely times you want to talk about like outperforming expectations. I mean, Bohannon's had some really good games for Baylor. You know, he's, he's been as much of a reason their success as anything else. So, I mean, you could probably throw his name into the conversation too, but yeah, definitely the QB situation at Oklahoma makes it kind of hairy there. Uh, so like that. So, I mean, I would probably also just default to Brees Hall, but again, you know, that is definitely, I'll admit that's definitely on the Homer-ish side. Here's my problem with Brees Hall. Bijan has one fewer touchdown, but is averaging a yard a carry more. Um, I can point out Abram Smith for Baylor, who's averaging 2.2 yards per carry more and has one fewer touchdown. Like, I, I get Brees Hall. Brees Hall is really good, and that is not arguing against Brees Hall. I just, like, I, I can point to reasons that Bijan has been more impressive than Brees Hall. I can point to reasons that Abram Smith has been more impressive in some cases. I'm not going to say that Abram Smith is a better running back than B. John Robinson or Brees Hall, but if we're going to go based off of stats and consistency, that is there. So the problem, and I do think it's going to end up going to a running back this year because we've had such eh quarterback play. I mean, Texas has gone through two different quarterbacks. Oklahoma's on a second quarterback. Like the most consistent quarterback thus far is Bohannon for Baylor. Um, he's thrown one interception. He's the, he, Everyone else has thrown at least... So I think Skylar Thompson has three, but he missed games with injury. Everybody else has four or five. Um, and Bohannon has been huge for that Baylor offense. Like if, if at this point, if you're going to pick a first teamer, if it, I, I I think it's probably still Bijan. Like if you really watch, like when Texas is executing its offense correctly, he's so stinking good. Even when teams are trying to stop him, he is really good. And it's. I, I know it's lazy to be like, well, everyone, Bijan. People will get mad when you talk about Bijan. Like, of course he is in Texas. He's great. But he's been, like, he's also lived up to it. Like, he's been incredible and been and good. And so I I think a running back is going to get the award. And I think it's either going to be Brees Hall, Bijan, or uh, honestly, I'll throw Abram Smith from, from Baylor. I think he's been really good for Baylor this season. And, and kind of the, the guy who doesn't get enough credit because he's not the big name like some of the other ones are. Uh, okay. I'm not going to try a new defensive player of the year because there's a, there's a bunch of candidates. Let's let's do this. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to have the same answer for this, but who is the surprise team of the year? And I'm saying surprise, not I want you to take that how whichever way you want to go, and I mean that on purpose, Andy. Oh, I, I was going to let Jamie oh, go first because she Jamie? looks like she just is dying to say something. No, I'm I'm dying. Yeah. yeah. Look, there is there is a very clear, I think, good surprise and a very clear bad surprise. 
And so I'm going to go with the bad surprise, which unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I hate to pile on because we already talked about them. Um, you know, and I feel bad for Melissa and Colin, you know, over on the uh, funky fraud po- podcast over there. But uh, yeah, TCU has just been absolutely like I'm floored by how bad it's been for them and how it seems to have gotten worse throughout the year. This was a team that we were talking about, or at least I know I was talking about as potentially being like competing for the third place in the big 12. Like the expectation was that the defense was going to be phenomenal this year. And the offense was going to take that step forward and give them an opportunity to be competing and maybe even being able to make it to Arlington. Like they are my dark horse pick to make it to Arlington. And so for them to fall as far as they have, I am I am absolutely shocked about how bad it's been for TCU this year. Yeah, like if it <laughs> if it weren't for if it weren't for TCU and like being asked this question this week and not two weeks ago, I would have had a much more horrific answer, which is what I was flashing back to and uh, giving everyone a, a wonderful show of expressions. But let's 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 shift gears. Let's shift gears a little bit. We can we can go into. I mean, frankly, it's the same discussion we've mostly already had, which is Baylor. Like, that was, you know, you look at them, you say, they're all right. They're all right. And then they come out, they're more than all right. You know, they've had, they've had some really showings this year. Not perfect, but better than certainly I expected that has nothing to do with the head-to-head results of my own particular rooting interest but they've definitely backed it up with other games you know that's not a that's not a one-off I think that was kind of the question after that is okay are they gonna back it up are they gonna continue to look good and I think they have continued to look pretty good obviously they they fought against Oklahoma State but Oklahoma State came away with that win but other than that I think that Baylor's had some really really good wins and I think they'll still continue to have some more good wins I think they have the potential to knock a couple more teams down this year I think you two took the right answer I think the the surprise obviously in a positive light is Baylor because of preseason expectations um similar to coach you can put OSU in there just because they started 6-0 and I know they lost to Iowa State but again we're talking about a three-point lo- three loss on the road. Like, I don't think that takes away from the success Oklahoma State's had thus far this season. And, and you can almost just say the surprise of the season is Oklahoma State's defense. Um, TCU has been – I was, Andy, I was in that, that boat too of, like, TCU was my dark horse. Like, I thought there was a real good chance they were going to finish their team, could push to be the team in Arlington against Oklahoma. And now they're going to be pushing to the bowl game. And uh, you could put West Virginia in there. I, I thought they would have a – an okay season, but I mean, if they don't get a bowl game, that's, that's surprising to me as well. So, I, I mean, yeah, Baylor and OSU are the, are the positive surprises just by what they've done so far this year. And I think West Virginia and TCU are the, the disappointing surprises based off of to most your, people's To your point on, but to your point on West Virginia, there was enough of a question. Yes. Like, I think the, the expectation with, with West Virginia was that they were probably going to qualify for a bowl game, but maybe not much more. Like they could maybe get eight wins this year if they, everything went right for them. If, if things didn't go right, they maybe would only get five wins, maybe four if, like, if things were disastrous for them. Now I'm looking at this like I, I think that four is probably the expectation. So like, yes, like this is on the low end of the range that you thought was plausible for them. 
not like with TCU. Like, there is absolutely no way that I envisioned any scenario where TCU was not going to make a bowl game this year, coming into the year. Man, if we need some things to break right. We could have a weird uh, – I look at this, the standings and I look at the schedules that are made, and we could have a really interesting end of this year. Like, we look at everything and it's like, okay, well, these are the best teams. They're going to win all their games. These are the bad teams. They're going to lose all – they're going to – get wins between each other and that's how it's going to all break out and like there's going to be some upsets down the line like a texas tech a west virginia kansas state a tcu i would not shock me if two of those teams pull off an upset over teams in the top half of the conference before the season is over like i i, I you cannot expect me to believe that that osu is not going to do the drop a game they shouldn't like they have the last few years be it Texas Tech or TCU. Like, I, I, I'm, Iowa State's rounding into form, but you can't convince me the idea that there's no way they couldn't drop a game to Texas who's still on their schedule. And the same thing for Baylor in that situation. And what if they all lose to Oklahoma and Oklahoma does go undefeated? Or maybe Oklahoma does lose a game. I'm just, like... Acting like anything's a sure yeah. thing just seems like you've never watched the Big 12 this, before. As many games... <laughs> Kansas beat Texas. There's <laughs> enough weeks left in this season... And this season has been wacky and wild and crazy enough. I mean, Illinois and Penn State played the longest game in in, in college football with nine freaking <laughs> overtimes, and the under still hit because they had like three straight scoreless overtimes. Yeah, that was overtimes. so ridiculous. You should have seen my husband's face when I Gross. told him that. Oh, big Big Ten. That's the most Big Ten that's ever Big Ten football ever. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Like, if you think chaos has, has not – why come to the Big 12 conference as a whole? Because again, we're sitting here looking at a five and O team in conference play, three three and ones, or two and a two, and then and then kind of just some teams at the bottom. Like it's very like this is the top half, this is the bottom half, and there's two teams in the middle. Chaos is coming, and I don't know what form it's going to come in. I don't know what it's going to look like or how it you know what it's going to be shaped like or anything, but. It's as soon as it hits your mind, you're like, oh crap, it's coming. Like it hasn't really hit for the Big Twelve. They had such a good non-conference slate. They did so like the best non-conference winning percentage, and it's a very clear divide. And maybe that's how it will come. Maybe we'll have a very clear divide of top and bottom, which is not. Maybe that is the chaos because we all thought it would be two teams at the top and a right through the middle until Kansas. And right now, that is absolutely not what we thought would happen. And maybe it won't. But this is this is the 2021 season, people. This is the Renaissance season. Chaos is a, is a constant through this schedule. It's coming for the Big 12. I don't know when, but I can feel it in my bones. It's coming, and it's going to be just, I mean, a kaleidoscope of catastrophe. You'll never you'll never see it like the specifics coming though. You see a dark cloud, but you don't know what's. what's It'll be in. fun if you know the recap episode after week eleven. We're talking about how chaos struck all of a sudden. But, chaos. Uh, I'll 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 let you guys imagine what exactly I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. there. So. Gosh, I wonder. <laughs> if it's your first time uh, listening I, I, to the I, podcast, I, it it very well may be more than one thing <laughs> though, yeah. which is why we're talking about complete you're, chaos. If you're a first time listener. Andy is a is a Kansas fan and, and they play Texas uh, later this season. I had completely given up any hope at all of it being even possible until this last oh. week. So now I am back. I am back on board. Hopefully the train. A powerful and dangerous thing. Andy is ready to be heard all again. Right. We, we exactly. were under schedule and now we're somehow going along way over schedule. Um, and I, I, yeah. So, um, Let's wrap on this as we always do. We've got five games on the schedule this coming weekend. Andy, which game are you most looking forward to? So since I was the only one that legally could have picked the clear-cut best game of the week last <laughs> week, I'm going to be nice and let you guys have that one. 
Uh, and I'm actually going to point towards this TCU Kansas State game. Damn it, you stole mine. Oh, really? I did? Yes. <laughs> look, look, this is one, two teams that are fighting for bowl eligibility. Um, two teams that I still don't know what the heck is going on with them. Um, you know, it's it's the battle of the purple in the Big 12. I'm super interested to see how this one actually comes out. Um, yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be really weird. I, I can guarantee you we're going to come out of this game and probably not know anything more about these teams than we know going in. Um, you know, I wouldn't I would not be shocked as well if you told me that, you know, there there's a total of 80 points scored in this game or if there's, you know, a total of uh, 13 points scored in the game. Like, I, I really do not know how this game is going to go at all whatsoever. The only thing I know for sure is that one of these teams after this game is going to have hope still to make the bowl season. And the other one is going to be completely done. Whoever loses this game, I don't think has any hope of making a bowl game because this is one that they both need. This is the bowl bowl. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to hop in here real quick because I, I disagree on the last point. This one does intrigue me. And I always look for the game that's maybe not the best game, but the most interesting. And I always say that West Virginia is whippy interesting, but I, I, the West Virginia win over TCU doesn't change my opinion of West Virginia. This one, Kansas State, we talked about kind of getting out of the, the really tough part of the schedule, kind of getting into one that's more manageable. TCU is bad as they looked. Now they're desperate to get another win. For Kansas State, it's the next three are TCU at Kansas and West Virginia home before at Baylor and at Texas. Like Kansas State needs two more wins. They only have to win two of the next three to get to a bowl game. They could foreseeably lose this and then beat Kansas, West Virginia, and have six wins to be set. Um, yeah, but but here's here's the thing with that. They should have lost that game against Texas Tech. They did not play anywhere near as well yeah, as Texas Tech did. And if you can't follow it up with a team that looks worse at this point in TCU at home, like I don't I don't know how you can be confident at all that they are going to beat both KU and West Virginia if they lose a game to TCU. Because right now, West Virginia looks like a better team than TCU. And, you know, and Kansas is at least showing life again. And it's a rivalry game and weird things happen in rivalry games. And the Kansas State's defense is nowhere near as dominant a force as it usually is going into these games. So it's one of those things where, you know, if they lose this game, I wonder how they're going to get those last two wins that they need. Um, yes, it's still definitely a possibility, but I would definitely bet against it for whoever loses this game. Again, chaos. She is a coming. Uh, well, that was mine. I, but I'll, I'll, Jamie, what do you, what do you got? I'll, I'll take the easier one, which is Texas Baylor. And look, I'm nothing if not honest and trying to be funny. Um, I want to see if Texas can find another way to lose a game. Uh, they've done <laughs> it. Boy, have they done it. Um, so I'm looking for new and innovative ways for them to do so. And I think, gosh, there's potential there. I think I'd be more confident in this game for Texas if they're behind by a touchdown going into the fourth quarter than if they're up by any amount. Something stupid's going to happen, so try and be on the receiving end of it. My, my, my question for this game is Texas has had the idle week. They've had time off. Like, Sark is a really good game player. <laughs> Can Texas hang on to a lead? Because I mean, like, I think they're going to come out and execute the beginning of the game after the week off. Like, I bet it wouldn't shock me if you told me that Texas got up early. Can they? Can they? Can they put together a second half performance in this game? And that's what's going to matter to me. Because it doesn't matter how many points they're up by. If they can't do anything in the second half, Baylor's good enough to put up points and and, and win this. I, 
those are the two, like, OSU's hosting Kansas, cool. Um, OU's hosting Texas Tech. At this point, I mean, it'll probably be more interesting than it should be because it's OU at this point in the season, and we just, I don't, I don't know. Um, Iowa State, West Virginia, like, I'm not taking too much away from the West Virginia one over TCU. Like, I, I, this one, uh, I'm, I'm going to bet against West Virginia the rest of the way because I, there's nothing they've done up to this point to make me go, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Uh, I think those are the two best. I think Texas Baylor at 11 a.m. on ABC and uh, TCU Kansas State at 2.30 on ESPNU, the two best of the day. And uh, you can end your day watching Kansas face Oklahoma State on FS1 at 6 p.m. if you, if you feel so inclined. Um, so, yeah. Philip, I, I will say when, you, when, when I stole yours, I was surprised you didn't go with the Texas Tech against OU game because – you know, by the rules of the my team is better than your team.com, Texas Tech yes. is a better team than Oklahoma because Texas Tech beat Kansas 41 to 14 and Oklahoma only beat them 35 to 23. My team is better than your team.com. If you want to know a black hole that will suck your attention in and make you unproductive and also just tickle you sideways, my team is better than your team.com. I, I, you are all welcome. You are welcome. For that little gem, you're gonna love it. Uh, so go check it out. Make sure you rate and uh, and review our show. Five stars, please. Leave a review. We'll read it here on the show. Make sure you subscribe to every show in the 1012 Network, the ever growing 1012 Network. We just had an Oklahoma State show. Now we've added a Baylor show. Um, I'm uh, we are adding a new show here shortly. I won't uh, I won't spill the beans on that one just yet, just yet. But I will I will say. Uh, uh, well, you can't see me spinning my finger, but that gives you a clue as to what school we may be getting a show for next. You follow us on Twitter. It's an open secret. It's an open secret. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But no, uh, no, Philip, just, just one last thing, because the biggest thing to come out of this weekend, now that I found it, um, you know, after what I said earlier is prior to this week, you the, that my team is better than your team could not find a way to say that Kansas was better than Georgia this year. There is now a possible path. It takes eight rounds for them to get there, but you can make an argument that Kansas is better than Georgia now, according to this website. So that is the most most phenomenal thing to come out of this entire weekend. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ten twelve network t e n number twelve word network on Instagram at ten twelve pod t e n number twelve. P o d. I'm done. Uh, Andy Mitz twelve is where you will find Andy, and of course, check out the Rock Chalk podcast. Uh, J S-T-E-Y-Z is where you will find Jamie. Um, let, me, let me, can I just drop the hint? Can I just go, uh, if you're looking for a new Twitter follow, uh, Cyclone Fam Pod. That's the tease. That's the Twitter account. Go give it a follow. And then I swear we're going to take a break for a while because if I have to add another podcast, I'm going to literally not have time to do my actual job. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea because I love it. All right, this has been fun. We'll be back on Thursday with picks. Maybe Chris will join us. If not, we'll harass him some more, and we'll talk to you guys then. Podcast Network.